Is Angel Serpa a future part of this rotation or the bullpen? I'm going to tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. We're also live now on Instagram and TikTok. Going to continue to be posting things throughout the week, trying to build this thing up as big as it possibly can be, because our goal is to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so if we can get as many people following on different platforms as we can. I'm sure that we can see those numbers continue to rise as we get closer to 2024 opening day for the Kansas City Royals. You also can find this podcast on wherever you get your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and on YouTube, as we just said. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. If you've already subscribed, send it to somebody who hasn't so we can continue to grow this thing And as I said, reach our goal of 1,000 subscribers by opening day 2024. As for myself, uh, I'm just a sports fiend. I'm a baseball fiend. I'm a Royals diehard, and I work in sports myself here in Kansas City. I work at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a show once a week on that station and also a morning show 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN Kansas City Monday through Friday. So my world stays pretty busy. Uh, involved in all things sports, but when you come to this podcast, when you click on this podcast link, just know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball. As I'm sure, if you already are tuning in, you're wanting to talk Royals baseball in mid-November, and that's with college basketball starting. That's with you know NFL in full swing, college football in full swing. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Just because the baseball season's over doesn't mean you can't run over to FanDuel and start placing some bets today. And you can now do that Monday through Sunday. I mean, that's they're never closing down or anything like that, but there's sports to bet on now Monday through Sunday. There's no no days off. There's always things you can bet on, whether that be college basketball, the NBA, the NFL, college football, endless opportunities, even though baseball concluded just a few weeks ago with the Rangers winning the World Series over the Arizona Diamondbacks. But as I said, when you tune in here, when you are trying to get content, We're talking Royals the entire time. May from time to time, you know, make a comparison to another team or talk about some big-time breaking news. I'm sure we're going to have segments dedicated to where Shohei Otani is going to, where some of the bigger free agents are going to, where some big trades happen. But at least for right now, we're stuck with what this Royals team is doing early on in November. And as I'm recording this podcast, it just broke a little bit ago. Uh, the Rule 5 40-man roster moves the Royals made. They added Will Klein, the flamethrower, uh, who was the lone representative in the Futures game this past year, to their 40-man roster. I'd imagine he'll get a chance in spring training to compete to be in that bullpen. They also added their corner outfield bat, the 40-man roster, and Tyler Gentry. Both very expected moves by the Kansas City Royals. And I can't say I was shocked by the two that were designated for assignment in Logan Porter who we saw in September, a backup catcher, and Josh Stallman, who just really couldn't stay healthy, and the velo had really dipped uh, going back to 2021 and 2022, just lost it. Now, maybe those two guys clear waivers. I wouldn't be shocked if they do because 
I don't see many people taking on Josh Stalmont for his injury concerns. And Logan Porter is an aging backup catcher, which really isn't a high priority on many 40-man roster spots, including Kansas City, who's got Salvador present Freddie for me at this moment. We are going to talk about roster construction throughout this week and some of the moves that they made. But I do want to dive into a pitcher on this 40-man roster, on this 26-man roster, who may be opening more eyes now than he ever has before. That's on Hill Serpa. I love how the Royals sent Angel Serpa to the Arizona Fall League to get some extra work in because we saw him in a very unique role this past season at the tail end. And it's a role that I could absolutely see the Royals back in March, once we get to March and spring training and surprise going, hey, we actually have a role for him from the get-go. It's not going to be let's stash him in AAA and then we'll go from there. I don't see it being that way. It would not shock me. And I've said this before in the podcast, it would not shock me if the Royals go with some sort of an opener role with their fifth spot. It's also very dependent on what they do in free agency, what pitchers they add, if they add any, or if they go the trade route. It is all very dependent on that. But we saw some success last year kind of using this opener and then a bulk pitcher. And Angel Serpa really thrived in the bulk pitcher role. Uh, his velo increased, and that was always going to be a concern of mine coming off arm injuries. And when you have arm injuries, uh, what level can you get back to? Even when Angel Serpa made his debut at the tail end of 2021, velo wasn't really there. I mean, he sat 92, 93, but this year we saw a pretty significant increase. He was hitting 96 and 97 from time to time. And from a, I would say, a different arm slot, it's not really a herky-jerky movement. It's not necessarily smooth, though. It's not the most repeatable delivery, but I think it makes him tough to hit. And in the Arizona Fall League, I thought he looked really good. It was actually televised on MLB Network, the Arizona Fall League Championship, and he had three scoreless innings with six strikeouts and no walks. Dominant. Now, he's also a big leaguer, pitching sometimes against minor league hitters and guys that really hadn't gotten their chance yet, but he did what he was supposed to do, and he looked dominant. Velo still was pretty good. And he is somebody I've always tried to hold on to. He is somebody I have envisioned having some sort of role, whether it be in the bullpen or in the rotation. I think I've punted the idea of him being in the rotation just because I think that's selling the rotation short. Uh, he has never been a long-term pitcher. Uh, he didn't have high prospect status. He doesn't have wipeout stuff. He's got better stuff, not wipeout stuff. And I don't think you want to go into 2024 giving him the number five spot. But let's say in this scenario, the Royals go get themselves a number one. You place Cole Reagans as the two, Brady Singer as the three. You add a fourth pitcher, you move on from Jordan Lyles, and that fifth spot goes to an opener. Maybe you make Serpa an opener or you make Alec Marsh an opener, and then you've got a bolt guy following him. Those are roles that I think absolutely would make sense for this team. Because we do know in the offseason, they're not going to replace everybody with free agents. There's going to be guys that are back and guys they still have high hopes for. And I was glad to see Serpa go to the Arizona Fall League, one, to get extra work. But two, just to have an offseason where he's not immediately shut down. Remember, Serpa got hurt at the end of last year and then missed all the offseason and missed the majority, if not all, like 85 to 90 percent of the regular season. He didn't get a typical off-season program, a routine where you get some work in, then you go work out, you can you know, work on your velo, get back into shape, and then show up as a surprise in February. 
you know, ready to go. And guns firing. You're firing all cylinders. That's what you want to see from a guy like Serpa because he's still very young, and the Royals want to find value in guys they already have. I'm not going to sit here, though, and say it's all going to work out and he's going to be this electric bulk pitcher and it's just going to be like Tampa Bay when they use the opener and Serpa's this lights-out, you know, unhittable type of arm because he's not. But I do think it's worth taking a chance on because the number five spot in the rotation – I think is always overvalued. You know, people are, are talking about, well, you know, you want to make sure you got stability there. I think the Royals can get creative if they wanted to overspend a little bit on their number one guy or their number four guy. And the number five guy, you've got options. Daniel Lynch could be an option. Chris Bubich, once he's back and fully healthy, is an option. Serpa, Marsh, Veneziano, Bolin, those guys could all combine to be the fifth starter or an opener and and that can make a lot of sense. Hell, I know that a lot of us have already ruled out the possibility, but if Zach Greinke wants to pitch again, you could bring him back as a one to two inning guys, the fifth spot. It was a one year, $2 million deal, $3 million deal. I don't know if he pitched for that amount of money. It's something to consider, though. I don't think you need to overvalue the number five spot, which is how Angel Serpa comes into this conversation. Of all of the guys I think I'd put my faith in to have pretty good seasons, he would be my one of all those guys I just listed. Now, I think Alec Marsh has, has the best swing and miss stuff, the most electric stuff. He also gives up a ton of home runs and always had going back to his minor league level. And Veneziano, haven't seen enough. Uh, Jonathan Bowen, haven't seen enough. And injury concerns going back to his minor league days. Uh, I look at Daniel Lynch, injury concerns, not good enough stuff. Chris Bubich, injury concerns. Serpa, yes, has injury concerns. But I think in this specific role, he's almost – made for this role, the bulk pitcher. I really think he can thrive there, and I'm glad we got to see a little bit of success in the Arizona Fall League, and I'm sure the Royals are thrilled that he had a performance like that in the Arizona Fall League Championship with three scoreless innings and six strikeouts. So I tip my cap to Angel Serba. I absolutely think, if healthy, he's got a role on the opening day roster and moving forward from that. All right, the next thing I want to dive into is a free agent acquisition, or if you can call it that, a re-signing, if you will, of a bullpen pitcher, I'm not too high on. But let me tell you fans to pump the brakes a little bit. This does not mean he's going to be on the roster in 2024. And in fact, the Royals did this exact same move for an unpopular player in 2023. I'm going to tell you about both those guys next on Locked on Royals. You are tuning to Locked on Royals on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. And go check us out on our accounts on Instagram and TikTok, which just went live over the weekend. We're going to start posting things beginning tomorrow. And hopefully that we can build up a big enough listenership on all these platforms so we can reach our goal of 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Before we go any further and talk about Taylor Clark getting a deal with the Kansas City Royals, to give a shout out to our title sponsor today in FanDuel. It is crossover season, and it is the perfect time to join and create an account on FanDuel and start making some bets today. Now, with FanDuel, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any five winning $5 money line bet. So you get $150 in bonus bets with just a winning $5 money line bet. A lot of money for a little risk involved. And that's $150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, 
and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. I know I said kick off the NFL season. We're in full swing right now, so do not waste any more time by going over to FanDuel and creating your account today. The Royals did make one acquisition this past week that I wanted to dive into. I was going to get an episode up on Monday night about this, but connection problems, technology problems, sometimes it gets in the way of stuff like that. But glad I at least can talk about it now. I was somebody last year that might have been harsher than most on Taylor Clark. And it's not that he was a horrific pitcher from start to finish. He was maybe, after Roldis Chapman moved on to Texas, the most reliable back-end bullpen guy the Royals had. Uh, his stuff was starting to play a lot better. He was throwing strikes. Velo seemed to return. And then in the second half, all the wheels fell off. I mean, there was nothing going right for Taylor Clark. Yet, Mac Quattrero continued to use him in high-leverage spots. And it got really ugly. I mean, I'm talking an ERA north of nine in the second half. It, it was an absolutely dismal stretch of baseball for Taylor Clark. And the same thing kind of happened at a different point in time in 2022. Taylor Clark on that West Coast road trip, I'll never forget it, melted down. Absolutely melted down. And then he kind of found himself again. And that's, I think, what the Royals are looking at a little bit of, we feel like there's something there. We feel like there is something we can fix to make that consistency last from April to September. There might be a blip or two as every bullpen pitcher goes through it where you got a rough week, a rough couple of outings, but it doesn't turn into a rough month or two. And that's the problem I had with Taylor Clark. High leverage spots, and he always blundered it. And the stuff over time just didn't look as overpowering. There were guys that could sit on exactly what he was throwing. And even when he was kind of in those hot stretches, it felt like he was getting lucky a little bit. But here's why I think there's no need to overreact to it. Now, when I saw this, I quote tweeted it and said, looks like the Taylor Clark experience isn't done. That's still a possibility. Oh, the Royals could look to him and say, hey, he's a part of our bullpen. We still like him a lot. We think we can fix him. Okay, that's a possibility. I'm not ruling it out there. But they got him for cheaper than what he would have made, I believe, in arbitration. So they bought out the remaining years of those arbitration years and gave him a very cheap one-year deal, basically, or one to $2 million deal. The Royals did the exact same thing last year with Ryan O'Hearn. And everybody was going, how on earth are you giving Ryan O'Hearn another contract? A major league contract. How are you doing that? And lo and behold, what was it, a month later, he was designated for assignment and the Baltimore Orioles picked him up. That's still possible here. That is very possible. Uh, just because I think the Royals are not going to run back the same group bullpen-wise. Because that was the main area J.J. Piccolo wanted to improve. You want to improve the bullpen, and you need to get guys who can improve the bullpen. You're not going to fill it up with guys that are just, well, we believe we can fix them. They're going to bounce back. You're not going to get a better bullpen by doing that. You need to get guys that proved this last year they were effective. And there are so many options for the Royals and affordable options, which is why it's going to make me pull my hair out if this deal is to put him in the bullpen. Because here's where I'm at. There are two locks at this moment for the bullpen. I do not see them moving on from these guys in the offseason. That's Carlos Hernandez, and that's uh, James MacArthur. 
James McArthur, I think, unless they go sign a closer, has the inside track to be a closer. At the same time, they could do the closer by committee thing again, because if you're not a true contender, you don't really need a closer. If you're winning anywhere from 70 to 80 games, you don't really need a closer until you find yourself in contention in the second half. And you can go get one at the deadline if you wanted to. But but James McArthur showed that he had that value as a back-end guy. Carlos Hernandez, same exact thing, had a really bad second half. But those are the two locks to me. Guys that could get in there, I think if they're healthy, have the inside track. John McMillan's my first pick. John McMillan barely pitched in Kansas City, but he had the most electric stuff I had seen other than a Roldis Chapman coming on in relief of any Royals pitcher all year long. If he's healthy, which he should be, he's going to be in that bullpen. I would say the inside track, above 70 to 75%. I think the Royals are holding out hope for Colin Snyder and Dylan Coleman. Stuff needs to go well in the offseason. So there's two locks, and then you've got five or six spots to, to fill. I do not see Taylor Clark having one of those. I just... I can't get on board with that just yet because the Royals did a similar thing last year and maybe they are using this as a backdrop, as a a fallback, if you will, some cushion because if the market doesn't fall in their favor, they got somebody they like. I'm not saying I like him. I'm not trying to tell you you should like the move, but it's a fallback. They have an option there and they have a guy they like. The good thing about bullpen pitchers though, they are affordable. So when I bring up the market not falling in their favor, it's impossible to do so because relievers don't make 12 to $15 million a year. You can get a handful of guys anywhere from $1 million to $7 million, and you can rebuild this bullpen in one offseason. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, if this bullpen goes from where it was last year to, let's say, top eight in the American League, not even all baseball, top eight in the American League, you will see that win total increase dramatically. Absolutely dramatically. They blew so many games last year, running back the same guys, that it turned maybe 90 losses to 95 losses into 106 because they blew so many games they shouldn't have because they didn't have reliable guys. You can find and reconstruct this bullpen with guys that are not Taylor Clark. That's where I'm at on it. If you feel like nobody else is going to sign with you and you just want to have that one guy who you can fix a little bit, he gets the the seventh or eighth final spot in the bullpen, so be it. But that means you have to go be effective with who you're going out and and going after in free agency for your bullpen picks. That's what I would love to see from J.J. McColl, and I do expect that because it's one of the first things he brought up in the press conference. You have to rebuild this bullpen. We got to start with the bullpen. Of course, pitching is a big time thing. Getting help in the rotation is more difficult in the bullpen. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, stopping J.J. Piccolo from replenishing this bullpen with good relievers. Guys that have done it. If they wanted Phil Maton from Houston, they can afford him. If they wanted Ryan Stanek from Houston, they can afford him. Will Smith from the Rangers absolutely can afford him. But you have to jump on these things. Because these guys are going to sign with contenders if those contenders come with a decent enough offer. You have to be the one to jump out ahead of them. And this move is not a terrible move. That's what I'm trying to get at here. It's not to say Taylor Clark's in the bullpen. I can't guarantee it's not to put him in the bullpen. I'm just saying my gut's telling me it's not going to. If that makes any sense. Like, I'm not going to rule it out that Taylor Clark's in the bullpen in 2024. I'm not going to say no way in hell that's happening. 
But I will say my gut is telling me it feels a lot like the Ryan O'Hearn move of last year. That, hey, we were giving him a one-year, $1 million deal. A month later, he may not even be on the roster. He may not be on the 26-man roster, 40-man roster for all I care. That just kind of tells me the direction they're going to go to because they want to rebuild the bullpen. They want more reliable guys. And Taylor Clark would be in year three in Kansas City, and we haven't seen the consistency. And he's an older pitcher. There's not much more to work with, in my opinion, anymore. If you disagree, you agree, you want to put your thoughts and opinions in something, go in the YouTube channel below and comment, or just comment to me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Last thing I want to dive into is some whopping projections that Fangraph has for this Royals lineup in 2024, which has them at 77 wins. That's before they do anything in free agency. Should we buy into it? Should we not? I'll tell you next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuning to Lockdown Royals and the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. And always be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And we're live on Instagram and TikTok. I'll be sure to keep sending out those links on Twitter as to where you go and follow them. We haven't posted anything just yet, but believe me, we are going to get right on that starting tomorrow. So we're going to continue to really boost this thing up on all social media platforms because we need to have a bigger outreach to get to our goal of 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. The last thing I want to dive into today is what Fangraphs had the Royals at before any of their offseason signings or trades. And we know those are coming no matter how big or small the Royals roster is going to look a lot different one month from now. One month from now, we are going to be talking about a totally different lineup. Uh, Maybe that's too harsh. Totally, I wouldn't say a different lineup for sure. A different rotation for sure. And certainly a totally different bullpen. That's what I should have put totally on was the bullpen in 2024. But I was fascinated how Fangraphs ranked the Royals, their win total, and their player projections going into 2024. And I'll tell you this. If these end up being anything close to what the real numbers will look like, it's going to be an entertaining season in 2024. Maybe not playoff contention, but you're not going to hate your life watching the Royals play baseball. Last year was was tough to stomach, even if you were there in the Ken Harvey years. It, for me, there were moments, there were glimpses of hope, but when you lose 106 games, that's a lot of travesty. That's a lot of disappointment, a lot of tragedy, a lot of tears shed, a lot of things broken over the course of five months. Right? This, to me, feels doable, too. And this, to me, feels more doable if the Royals are more active and adding to their pitching depth. Because J.J. Bacall also pointed that out. They need a lot of depth. They want to add depth to this rotation and to this bullpen. But this is more so about the lineup to me. I'm going to read off some numbers here and why I think it's very doable and what Fangraphs has here. Now, Fangraphs has a, has a model they go after. And a lot of it is the older the player gets, the better some of these numbers are going to look. And lo and behold, the Royals had a lot of young players last year that significantly can improve, or I would say some got a lot better in year two, but they're also projecting that trend to continue. That's what you have to factor in here. Okay, they're not accounting for injuries. They're not accounting for slumps. This is just what that player can become if they're healthy. And a lot of it has to do with age. The older they get, you know, it's kind of like entering the years of their prime. They're going to get better, assuming they stay healthy. So instead of me rambling here, this is the lineup for the Royals. This is before they add anybody. So Michael Garcia, Fangraphs has, is playing in 134 games next year, 
has a triple slash of 268, 333, a slug of 380, 23 stolen bases, a WRC plus of 94, and an F war of 1.7. That WRC plus would be an increase from this past year. That'd be six points lower than the league average, but also very doable when he's that good defensively. To me, this feels very likely. Uh, I think if Garcia stays healthy, this is about the slash line he'll get. Had eight home runs for him. I'm hoping he can get double digits. Uh, if he can beef up a little bit by playing at the hot corner this year, I think his war is going to be higher because of how good he is defensively. Wasn't really in agreement with where they had him war-wise because I think defensively he can get up to be about a three-war player. That's how good he is over at the hot corner. Bobby Wood Jr., they actually had regressing slightly, I should say, which that probably shows you how good he's been uh, or good he was over the second half of last season. They have Bobby Witt playing in 154 games, a triple slash of 278, 328, 530 home runs, 120 WRC plus, which is a boost. That would be an incredible jump for Witt Jr. at an F war of 4.6. Uh, that would be a little bit of a drop in his F war. It's also not really factoring it factoring in how good he could become defensively. I think Bobby Wood Jr. could be a, a six-and-a-half, seven-war player next season with an all-star uh, game to his name, a couple other awards. It would not shock me in the slightest. But I'm not going to complain about a triple slash like that another 30-home-run season. This one is fun to contemplate. Benny Basquintino, 136 games, a triple slash of 276, 361 OBP there. That would be very unroyal-like. A slug of 482, 24 bombs. 11.1 rock rate, a 127 WRC plus, that would be the highest on the team, and an F war of 2.5. That feels about right. I've always believed that could be Vinny Pasquantino if he stays healthy. That is a number and a player to dream about in 2024. They get that version, this lineup looks completely different. Salvi's numbers, I think if he stays healthy, which just doesn't feel as likely anymore, it's about right as well. 143 games, he'd have to DH a lot of those as well. 260 batting average, 300 OBP, a slug of 422. Lead the Royals with 27 home runs, 84 RBIs, WRC plus one point below the league average at 99, and an F-War of 1.3. If he's just hitting, worrying about hitting, and he's just DHing, I think that could be about right. But I'm just not buying into it because Salvi hasn't been healthy for quite some time. This is another one like Vinny Basquintino to be excited about. Fangraphs has MJ Melendez projected as playing 136 games, Triple slash of 241, 332, 434 with a team high 11.5% walk rate. WRC plus six points above league average at 106 and an F war of 1.4. That is absolutely something you should be stoked about and why I'm still high on MJ Melendez. With a good start of the season, I think we can see numbers like this. Nelson Velasquez, they've got playing 110 games, 22 bombs, 99 WRC plus right with Salvi. I'd take that in a heartbeat for a guy that's never been an everyday player. Michael Massey, 115 games, OBP north of 300 at 305, WRC plus of 92 at second base. You take that in a heartbeat. F war of 1.2. And they got Cole Reagans, which again, don't take this as a negative. Cole Reagans has never been a 162 game pitcher. What I mean by that, he's not been a guy that's been in a rotation and has a lot of expectation from April to September. This would be a good season for Cole Reagans. And 29 starts. 177 innings pitch, a lot of workload for him at the top half of the rotation. ERA south of four, you always take that. 3.92, a K rate of 24.5, F war of 2.6. I would lock in that. I would feel okay with that in his first year of being an entire season pitcher. He's never been it before. There is going to be some regression because we saw this past year 
you know, even at times the command slipped away from him at the tail end because he had not been lengthened out for an entire season. You take what he did and 11 starts, you build on that, but this would also be a very good year. Maybe the ERA could get into the three fives or three sixes, but you take that with almost getting to 180 innings. And lastly, Brady Singer. I would take this. 29 starts, 169 inning pitch, 4.36 ERA, a K rate of 19.1, and an F war of 2.1. That's good enough, folks. That is a <laughs> that is a good enough lineup and two pitchers in the rotation to get you to 77 games. Does it happen? No, I'm not going to lock that in because last couple of years, the Royals have not lived up to those projections. And some of these guys, I think Fangraphs just likes. Uh, on-base guys, Fangraphs really likes. And the Royals now have a couple of guys that can get on base and they value on base. But it is something to watch here because the Royals in this article I read on Fangraphs were not in the rebuild rebuilding tier. There were six tiers. Tier six had the White Sox, the A's, the Rockies, the Nationals. Royals were tier five. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to be added, and that is absolutely true. They need a lot of help on pitching. They want to get to 77 wins. You can't just look at a computer and say it's going to happen. You have to be more aggressive and transactional, which is why I know a lot of us Royals fans, whether it's me or you listening at home or driving in the car, you want that to be the case. But at least for now, Fangraphs values a lot of these guys that are currently on the 2024 Royals. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. And always be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. And go follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Until tomorrow, when we talk about some available guys, maybe from the Rule 5 draft or guys that were just designated for assignment, we definitely spend some time on that. You take it easy, Kansas City.